folks, Dr. Tim Jordan here with you again with another episode of Raising Daughters. Thank you so much for stopping by. As a developmental and behavioral pediatrician, I get a chance to work with girls in my counseling practice every week. Uh, my wife and I have a school program called Strong Girls, Strong World, where we go into classrooms uh, in schools and work with classrooms of girls to help them create more caring communities. Also, I also have my personal growth leadership development weekend retreats and summer camps. So I'm with girls in lots of different ways. I try and use my experiences with them and with their parents to, to find topics I think would be of interest to you based upon what's hot for girls today and their parents. Today's topic was triggered by two experiences I had in the last week. The first one was uh, being in, a, in an office building. I had to go up an elevator a couple floors. So I went into the elevator and then a mom came behind me with a little girl who was probably about mm, three or four years of age, and she was holding the little girl's hand. And the little girl looked up at me, and she smiled, and so I smiled back. I said, hi. And the mom looked at me like I was a predator. She kind of took the little girl and kind of pulled her in close to her. And I'm thinking to myself, you're standing here in an elevator, and you're with your daughter. She's not alone by herself. And it reminded me, of how intense stranger danger has become in the last 10 to 20 years in our culture. The other incident that kind of prompted this uh, topic today, which, by the way, is about stranger danger. I entitled this The Danger with Stranger Danger because I think there's some cost to what we're doing with our kids. The second incident was two camp fairs that I attended in the last two weekends. Uh, my wife and I have owned our camp, Camp Wheelakai, for girls for now 32 years. And every year, there's uh, several uh, schools that put on these camp fairs where, where uh, camps from all over the country come, and we have a booth, and people can walk by and, and talk to us about what we offer, and they get they get brochures and things. It's, it's, it's a great thing, and we've been doing it for 30 years. And what I noticed on both of those camp fairs was girls, even as old as grade school. I saw girls who looked like they were 8, 10 years of age, walking with their moms or dads, or both sometimes. And if we made eye contact, if I made eye contact with a girl and just kind of said hi, the girl would kind of look kind of scared and then like, again, kind of meld into her parents. I'm thinking to myself, this is a camp fair. You're supposed to be coming here to talk to people about, you know, what, what do our camps offer? Is this a good fit for you? But I could just feel the fear in the kids. I think we've been pounding them with information about stranger danger since the day they were born. And now we have a lot of kids who have a hard time, I think, connecting with adults because they're so afraid. I read an interesting book oh, about 10 years ago. It was called The Culture of Fear by Barry Glassner. G-L-A-S-S-N-E-R. And by the way, I'll put that title, the book title, and the author in my show notes, which you can get by just going on my website. And he talked about a lot of different cultural myths, if you will, that are out there. Things that have been blown up that aren't really true. The subtitle of his book, The Culture of Fear, is Why Americans Are Afraid of the Wrong Things. Crime, drugs, minorities, teen moms, killer kids, mutant microbes, plane crashes, road rage, and so much more. 
And part of that was about stranger danger. So I went back and started looking up statistics about stranger danger. Um, so I'm going to offer you those in just a moment. But I think I, in all my reading and all my work with kids for the last 30 plus years, kids and families, I think every generation has their fears. And I think in the last 10, 20 or so years, 10, 20, 30 years, some of the fears that parents have, have had about raising kids, uh, stranger danger is one. Uh, abductions, youth gangs in the 1980s. Uh, there was danger. There was some uh, fears about teen predators and juvenile delinquents back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, drugs, heroin, AIDS, STDs, premarital sex, teen pregnancy, early puberty, which has been a big one in the last 20, 30 years. Kids hooking up uh, in the last 10 years, vaping. And now a lot of states have legalized pot. There's a lot of fears about that. Also in the last 10, 20 years, cyberbullying has, has entered our list of things to be afraid of. Social media. Um, people have worried for, for, uh, since the 60s about decreasing societal norms and values. Parents worry that other p- parents don't control their kids. We started in the 60s with working parents with their latchkey kids. We went through, the in the 80s, the war on drugs. We've, we've worried about online predators and sexual predators, especially in the last 10 or so years since social media and, and the online sites have, have, have sprung up. What happens is the media grabs a hold of these issues and they blow them out of proportion, blow them out of proportion to reality. And it's on the news 24-7. If there is, a, if, if there is an abduction, it hits the news and it's all we can talk about. It's all we see for the next week or so. And we're left with, oh, my God, every kid in this country is in danger of being abducted. Um, and I think those, that has created a lot of fear in parents about abductions, even though it's not really true that it's, it's more dangerous now than it was before. And I think because of these fears, I think parents have, have felt like they have to monitor everything going on in their kid's life to be a good parent, which is one reason why a lot of our kids feel smothered. I heard about this mom one time who said that her daughter was always telling her that she's too much in her business, or at least that's what she keeps writing in her diary. Can't let go. God, we, parents have the 360 thing on their kids' phones, following them around. They know where they are 24-7. I think our kids have learned growing up that being a good friend and being a good daughter means being on call 24-7 being ready to respond immediately if their mom or dad texts them. Those are the new rules of engagement. You must be available at all times in case of, quote-unquote, emergencies. I think that fear got heightened after 9-11 because a lot of parents started worrying about their kids. People during that day were cut off from their loved ones. They were terrorized. The whole society became terrorized. Cell phones became like this symbol of parental security, of emotional safety, if you will. There's comfort that we got with this continuous contact with our kids. I think a lot of parents back in, uh, at, at, after 9-11 excuse me, said that they were never going to let their kids be disconnected from them again. And I think kids have learned from all of that that they need the phone to feel safe and that they need to have constant connection. We've even normalized college students talking to their parents every day or sometimes several times a day. 
I know a lot of times people, and this includes me, where I work with girls who are uh, seniors in high school, I tell them, you know, it's not wrong to have a boyfriend here in the second semester, but, you know, do you really want to have a boyfriend when you go off to college? If you go to different places, you've been dating this guy for three months or four months, and you're going to be pulled. You might want to go to your college and be fully invested, fully being there as opposed to worrying about, oh, my God, I saw my boyfriend on Snapchat or on Instagram or on TikTok uh, with his girls at a sorority party. So we want girls to go to college and be fully invested. But I think the same thing goes with talking to your parents every day. Hard time disconnecting, giving our kids the rope to figure things out on their own. I think it starts with the fear. And stranger danger is a huge one. Kids get the message that, and parents get the message, especially after those things hit the news, if there is an abduction. The message that is blared out from the TV screen is, do not let your kids out of your sight. I saw a, a girl recently in my counseling practice, 17 years of age. And she wasn't feeling good at school. And so she was supposed to go to this club after school. And her mom had gotten had helped her get a ride with one of her friend's parents. And she decided school because she didn't feel good just to go home. And, and she skipped the club. And she took the school bus, went home. And after, when the, the, about an hour or so later, the uh, mom's friend, who was supposed to give her daughter the ride home, called and said, hey, your daughter wasn't at, sc- wasn't at school at the club. Uh, just want to let you know, I just so I didn't take her home. So the mom texted her daughter. Her daughter didn't answer right away, and the mom freaked out. She called, and she called, and then she raced home. And what she found when she got home was her daughter in her room, with her AirPods in, doing her homework, which is why she didn't answer her phone. But just the sense of, oh my gosh, if my daughter isn't in complete contact, even for an hour, something's wrong. I think there's a lot the kids are missing out on because we never let them out of our sight. We don't let them out on the street anymore to go down the street, to, to ride their bikes like we used to when I was a kid. There's a lot of lessons we learned being out on the street, quote unquote. We were able in the last generation or two to leave home and be gone all day. No phones, no chips, no 360s. Our parents just said, be home be for, you know, in time for dinner. My mom even had this bell that she would ring outside this, our door that we could hear down the street. And that was our signal to come home. And most parents today would not let their kids do that. Go down the street alone. Go down to their friend's house. What we learned when we were out there on the street with our buddies was we learned to lead. We learned to make choices and to make decisions on our own. And then we could experience the consequences of those choices and learn from them. We were forced to take care of ourselves and our friends and our siblings who were out there with us. We were forced to create our own structure, our own games, our own rules. God forbid we had to handle our boredom. We also had the ability, because we were out there without adult supervision, to overcome obstacles. We were interfacing with the real world way more than kids are allowed to today. When I was about nine years of age, um, and this is going to age me, but there was a, a morning paper that came, and also there was an evening paper. And starting at age nine, this is the truth, 
uh, the, the uh, newspaper company would, would uh, come by my house, drop off this big stack of newspapers. And after school, I'd put that stack on my little red wagon. I would walk about a half a mile up a four-lane road. I'd stand on the side of the road and sell newspapers. Monday through Friday, five days a week, I did it for three years, starting at age nine. I'd walk out in the middle of the street. I'd walk up to people's windows, sell them the papers. They'd give me the money. I did it for three. I was nine. I don't think any parent today would let their kid do that. But think how valuable that was for me, that experience. So I want to spend just a moment here debunking some of these myths about um, stranger danger. For instance, in that book, not just Stranger Danger, but quickly for some other things. In that book, The Culture of Fear, there was, there was a lot of fear about 10, 15 years ago about road rage. And it hit the news and everybody's in danger out in the road. And the truth was that drunk drivers caused 85 times more deaths than people uh, doing just, just normal traffic fatalities, especially if it was through road rage. There's about 10,000 alcohol-related car accident deaths each year. Almost none with road rage. There was, a, there was a fear that came out oh, 10, 20 years ago about Halloween candy. I remember the he- reading about that, hearing about that when my kids were young. People were worried about there being razor blades and poison being put in apples or, or popcorn balls. And there was a researcher who examined every report incident of something like that from 1958 until about the year 2000. And there had not been a single serious injury or death from that. And yet, every Halloween, we're still worried about it, you know, 20 years later. The truth about abductions is this. Far more kids are seriously injured and killed by family members than by strangers every year. The majority of missing kids that we hear about sometimes in the news were not abducted. Most of them are runaways, and they're running away from homes where they've been physically or emotionally abused by their parents. Most of the missing kids that get reported are, are kids who are either kicked out of the house by their parents, or, very commonly, they've been abducted by an estranged parent. There was a divorce, one parent's unhappy, so they take the kid and they go, they leave. There are about 65 million kids in this country, in the U.S. And on average, each year, there's somewhere between 150 to 300-ish kids who are kidnapped by a non-family member and kept for you know, a long period of time or are murdered. And since there's 65 million kids in this country, that comes out to 0.001% of kids in this country who get kidnapped each year. And every one of those 150, 200 or so kids who get abducted, it's a tragedy. It's horrible. I'm not, please don't hear that and please don't scream at me. But I want you to know that the fear that we have around it does not match reality. And what happens is it hits the news, like I said before, and it's 24-7 blaring at us. We started putting kids, you know, uh, names and pictures on milk cartons, posters, billboards, there was a, there's been a movement, you know, mass fingerprinting of all of our kids. And then the last, you know, 10, 20 years with the school shootings, we've 
Now you walk into the building and there's an armed guard or a police guard. Schools are locked. There are shooting drills. And kids have been bombarded with the message that today's world is a scary and dangerous place and that kidnappings happen all the time. And so, by God, stay close to your parents. A lot of adults I've heard also say, well, it's a lot more dangerous today. Predators, super predators and all that. Online predators who are looking, you know, looking to, to you know, grab our kids. But the research stats do not validate that the world is less safe today. It's not true that there are more abductions. It's just not true. Every child is not in imminent danger of becoming a victim. You need to, you need to read about that. You need to read the reality. I remember I saw one time a long time ago a quote from Harry Truman, President Harry Truman. He said, there is nothing new in the world except history that you do not know. So know it. I want you to know the history, which is that it's not more dangerous now than it was. And even though we are worried about those 150, 200 kids who get abducted, and I think, you know, it's obviously horrible. The truth is, we should probably be a lot more concerned about the thousands and thousands of kids who live in poverty and who live in unsafe places who face uh, enormous adversities each and every day. I recorded a podcast a year and a half ago. I interviewed the author Meg Jay about her book Supernormal. If you haven't heard that podcast, go back. It was in it was June twenty third, uh, two thousand twenty one, six twenty three twenty one. She was a good interview, and she has great information in that book Supernormal about all the different adversities that kids go through. She talks a lot about kids who live in poverty and in unsafe places. There are over 1 million kids each year who are physically, emotionally, or sexually abused by their parents, their step-parents, or maybe mom's boyfriend. Over a million kids each year. It's a lot more than the, the 150 or 200 kids who are abducted. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of kids who are living with parents who have addictions, who have a parent who's been incarcerated, a parent with mental health problems. I talked to so many girls living with parents who are depressed. Kids who live in a home with domestic violence. We should be worried about those kids. Because those kids are all around us. It happens each and every single day. Now, I do think that we should start educating our kids when they're young about strangers and how to take care of themselves. I decided in this podcast not to go through steps and lists of things. But what I am going to do is, at the end of my podcast, uh, in on my website, at www.drtimjordan.com, and if you get these podcasts, you probably had to go to the website anyway, I'm going to list three links to good articles I found, good review articles about what are some things you can do at each age to prepare your kids to take care of themselves. One of them is called Seven Ways to Prevent Abductions. One is called Preventing Childhood Abductions by the Division of Criminal Justice Services. One of them is Safety Tips to Teach Kids at Different Ages. So you can find information about what you can do and what you can say to your kids at different ages. I think it is important, obviously, to educate our kids and ourselves. But I think we can educate our kids without causing them to believe that the world is a scary place. Ever since your kids were toddlers, They've used us as a safe base. 
So think about your three-year-old. You go to a family party. You just, the holidays weren't that long ago. And they come in the door, and there's all these people, all this noise. And so they tend to kind of cling on to us a lot of times. They want to sit in our lap. And they're checking it out. But after a while, most kids will kind of climb down from their parents' lap. And they'll go, they'll go toddling off and, and visit. And they'll, they'll play with some toys. They'll do something. And then after a little while, they get a little bit nervous. So they come back to their parents for reassurance. And if you pick them up and say, it's okay, come back here. It's, you're all right. Usually within a few minutes, they go back out. And that go out and come back, go out and come back pattern will be, will be repeated for their entire childhood. And it's normal. But when they come back, what you don't want them to hear is, are you okay? What's wrong? Why are you crying? You don't want them to feel our fear. We all need to handle our emotions and feelings about abductions. And I know from reading studies and research that that is probably parents' biggest and deepest and most common fear, that their child is going to be kidnapped or abducted. So it's not wrong to prepare them. What I don't want you to do, though, is to bring your emotions to them. They need to be educated. You need to be there for reassurance. But you need to not, you know, how you talk to them and how you speak to them is so important. If they're going out down the street to play with their friends or going to their friend's house, if you say, hey, have fun out there, take good care of yourself, that's one thing. If you're like, be careful, honey. Don't talk to anybody. If a stranger comes by and you, and you have that, that look in your, in your eye, if you have that body language, if you have the tone of voice, it's like, oh my God, the world's a scary place. You, something might happen to you. If they feel that from you, you're adding fear and anxiety into your kids that does not belong there. I do not want your children to be deathly afraid of every adult in the world. If your kids ask you questions about stranger danger, or they hear something about a news story, they're asking about, does it happen? Or they heard about something. I would always, before you answer, I reflect back to them to see what they're really asking. Kind of sort of like if they ask you about, you know, is Santa Claus real? Or how do, how do we get babies? I wouldn't go into, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pull out an anatomy textbook and start going through the sex act with a, you know, with a four-year-old or a five-year-old. What I'd say is, well, why are you asking? Where'd you hear about that? And I would listen and try and get a sense of what are they really asking and what at this age do they really need? So I would not overload and overwhelm them with way more information and or your feelings when that's not really what they're asking for or what they need. Also know your kids, what you do. What level is their thinking at? I would answer the question based upon their level of maturity, their level of wherewithal, if you will, their level of thinking. It's also important to be very conscious about not having the news on 24-7 in your homes. Because what is on the news is the negative stuff, because that's what attracts people's attention. So I don't want our kids hearing all that junk every day. It makes it more scary for them. Focus on what you do have control over. Be a good listener so your kids will come to you if they have questions about things. If they have questions about, you know, someone, there may be somebody who's, who they're a little bit anxious about, or their gut is saying, I don't know, that somebody's making me feel uncomfortable, make sure that, you, that you're a good listener so they will come to you with that, and then you can teach them about trusting themselves, trusting their intuition.
if you've been a safe listener, then they're much more likely to listen to you when you give them some information and some education. Know their friend's parents as best you can because they may be going to their house. And I want you to be able to trust those people, so get to know them. There are some girls, especially as they get into the middle school, high school years, who are a little bit more vulnerable to being um, taken in by, say, an online predator. Girls who are lonely. Girls girls who have been kicked out of their friend group. If that's true, those girls might need some help. They may need to go talk to someone like me to help them work through their issues so they're not so vulnerable. So focus on what you have control over. Be there for them when they have questions. Uh, read those three articles that I, I'm linking to learn about at each age. How, what kind of information do they need? What kind of education do they need you know, to be able to take care of themselves when they're out in the world? But one of my big takeaways from this podcast, I hope for you, is do not parent out of fear. Do not live in fear. Do not transmit your fears about abductions onto your children. Once again, I don't want your kids to go out in the world and feel like it's a dangerous place and to be fearful out there. I don't want them to be afraid of every person in the world, especially when they're with you, like they were at, my, at the camp fairs. I want our kids to be able to be more confident than that. And maybe one other thing that just comes to my mind with this issue is be fully present. Be aware of how precious your kids are, how precious your time is with them. They grow up quick. They will be gone before you know it. Be fully present. Savor the moments. Um, Have fun with them. Create some safe places where they can go out and explore the world so they can learn the same lessons that we did when we were out and about. And read those articles to get your education. Thanks for showing up here every week on my podcast, Raising Daughters. If you want information about our weekend retreats that are coming up for for high school, middle school, and grade school girls, or our weeks of summer camp for those same age groups, just visit the website at www.drtimjordan.com. I really appreciate you stopping by every week. I will see you in a week.